Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. Um, I've had no weird smells going on this week that were, <laughs> were that were paranormal, but we did have um, we did have some good feedback from that last episode we did on supernatural smells. Interestingly, because I think the crux of the episode was around kind of sulfurous smells, but most of the feedback on social was more about those uh, spiritual encounters with past relatives and smelling perfume and stuff like that. It's very mm-hmm. interesting that phenomena, I think. Yeah, I think it is as well. Yeah, I. It's the one thing that I remember. I um, I remember people telling me, like that's why I mentioned the grandfather. I mem- remember people telling me, like a week after their grandfather had passed, they smelt it. And I also recall a story where somebody said that during the funeral they smelt his pipe. And yeah, it's just one of those things which seems to be so common. People accept it as normal. And I, it's funny because I was thinking about it this week when when those posts came in. You could, I'm not saying they're they're not paranormal, but you could make a good psychological case for why that might happen. But I still scratch my head a little bit about the sulphur connection and how how that fits into everything. But it's definitely interesting to ponder. One of those episodes where we ended up with more questions than answers, but um, it was was a good journey. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's something we should go back to because it does point, as you said, to like... um, a unified theory yeah. and disturbingly points more to it's unified around what people would call demons. But um, yeah. let's not go. Let's not go there. We'll re- revisit it at another yeah, time. Let's, let's not bring it down. Let's not bring it down. <laughs> well, let's bring it up. Okay. Ooh. Because. Segway. <laughs> um, it, it's a bit too late for pantomime season, but I realised we hadn't really done anything about giants. Ah. And giants, they didn't, they've never really interested me that much. But it is sort of fascinating when you dig into it. And I did discover some surprising things. Keep a note of how tall you think a giant might be. Keep that in the back of your head. Okay, all right, that's good. Um, But what got me into it was, have you come across this case which has been doing the rounds on... Twitter and quite a lot of those YouTube paranormal channels. The case of Andrew Dawson. Have you come across this? No, I haven't, no. So the story goes, so he he was a TikToker, basically, and he made a bunch of videos. So he took a picture on uh, on a mountain in Alberta, and it looks like in the distance on this snowy mountain is something that looks a bit like a a giant. And he filmed the uh, the figure... Uh, if indeed that is what it was, and put it on uh, his social channels. And the video became really popular. He becomes then obsessed with trying to solve the mystery, and he keeps coming back and doing various videos where sometimes, well, the next time he comes back, there is nothing on top of the mountain or on top of the slope. And he wants to go up there, and then he tells his viewers, well, I was forbade from doing so by somebody influentially doesn't go into it anymore then he posts a video where there's a car waiting outside his house and he runs out to try and confront them and it drives off and he thinks that he's being pursued by people from the cia then he does a video where he tells everybody this was only a hoax and 
he's very awkward in this video looking off to the side and then this starts a lot of conspiracy theories around it. Giant conspiracies. Giant conspiracy theories. And then, very sadly, he passes away. Really? And, yeah. And that obviously reinvigorated the interest in these videos. You can see that, right? And it's... When you really look into it, um, it doesn't take too much to look into it. It is a very sad case. He, what he was doing was posting pictures from, I don't think he even, he either knew what he was doing and he'd set this up or he just wasn't aware. But the particular mountain that he was um, filming, it does have a building on top. And from some angles, it does look like a giant figure. And all the black helicopters and stuff that he saw, they're related to that. I guess he must have known it was a setup because the CIA don't tend to sit outside your house and then scream away afterwards. But um, it seems like Andrew was suffering with depression and other life problems. Right. And perhaps this was either something he did to cheer himself up or maybe as a money earner, but... It, you know, when I sort of realised that that was probably what the story was. Mm, it's very sad. It's very sad. Yeah. And just a reminder, when you go into this stuff, if you <laughs> if you are feeling down and depressed, because it can be a bit depressing sometimes, this subject, please go and get help. Yeah. This should never happen to anybody. Yeah. So go yeah. and get help um, and speak to somebody. And, and always question, I would say. And, that's that's and the other thing question. I've learned by doing it. Always question i don't know if it's it's a bit of self preservation or self care i i almost immediately like when we've had weird things happen i immediately lean to the kind of skeptical conclusions straight away because yeah. i think a that's the right thing to do but b i think it kind of helps ease any kind of you know stranger thoughts that you might have okay so it was that that really invigorated my my interest in giants. And then I realised that in a children's programme that I was working on ages ago, we had the character of Robert Wadlow in there. Okay. Do you remember Robert Wadlow? Did that, that rings a bell. Yeah, world's tallest man. That's right, yes. And you will see a statue of him. He used to have one outside... Um, Ripley's Ripley's yeah. in Piccadilly Circus It's got glasses That's it yeah, 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 like a suit and glasses Yeah, I remember that image quite clearly That's right, For 8 foot 11 he was Wow And 439 pounds, so a little less than me And um, <clears throat> he had a ring size of 25 Nobody laugh <laughs> And the largest hands of 12.75 inches So probably quite oh. good at the piano but i say that because that is tough to get gloves though yeah, <laughs> yeah it is tough to get gloves. Get him for christmas get him a pair of gloves Ooh. because later on we're going to come on to some other giants that were found and i want you to bear in mind okay the largest man that we know of is, is it existed obviously we don't know previous times before yeah. people started measuring this but eight yeah. foot eleven Near as damn it, 12 foot, uh, 12 foot, nine foot. Right. Where, and, and you wouldn't really class him as a giant, would you? He's just, he's, he's a giant man, but he's not a giant. He's just yeah. a very tall. Very, very tall man. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess that stereotypical thing, you almost reference things like Harry Potter, don't you? Hagrid. And Hagrid's not even supposed to be a big giant, is he? No, he's a half giant. He's a half giant. And. Uh, I also think of um, 
that Netflix movie, which isn't bad, actually. Troll. I don't know if you've ever seen I that. I love Troll. Yeah. yeah. And uh, me and my son watched that and we loved that. I lo- it's funny because that, that movie, and maybe we'll get onto this a bit later, but I think that, that there's a mechanism in that movie that that solves the, well, why don't we see him? Do you know what I mean? Which I think yeah. is, is quite interesting. Well, that's also a good segue into why don't we see them? So you probably, like, the earliest mention of giants in literature really is the Bible. Yeah. And I, I'd completely forgotten about this, um, but mainly because I don't know the Bible very well. Yeah. But um, that is the start of this story, and this, I think, is a brilliant story. And this is probably sort of one of those where you kind of go, well, this just sort of makes it really harder for people who are trying to find the truth about some things. But have you come across the Cardiff giant? The, the Cardiff giant? As yeah. in Cardiff, Wales? No, Cardiff, uh, New York. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was Cardiff. Uh, and I wondered why most of the references I could find were American. I was like, why are they hanging out right. in Cardiff? Because if it was the Cardiff giant, he'd definitely, if it was Cardiff, Wales, he'd definitely be playing for the... Uh, the Welsh Rugby Union side, wouldn't he? He would. He would. <laughs> well, this is a hoax that goes back to 1867. And a man called George Hull, and he's a cigar maker. He was also a staunch atheist and sceptic. And he went on a business trip to Iowa. And he ended up locked in what sounds like, when you read the material, um, a very heated theological debate a debate with a revivalist preacher. So, you know, a blood and brimstone preacher. Yeah. And Hull gets really cross by this preacher's literalist interpretation of the Bible and this very particular uh, passage from Genesis that states there were giants in the earth in those days. And... So he's thinking, right, what am I going to do? And back then, like we've said this a lot, richish men in the 1800s, they're lying in bed, they're coming up with all sorts of pranks. Oh, maybe I'll dress up as a ghost. Maybe I'll try and wind up a preacher. So he gets this idea that maybe it would be possible to dupe people by making a stone giant and passing it off as a petrified man. He figured if he did it right, the scam would allow him to strike a blow against the religion and make some money. It's the perfect It's a double deal. whammy. Also, this is slightly, this is a bit of a throwback joke, but it's reminded me of last week. Is that how you measure a giant? It's on the Rod Hull scale. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. With, yeah. an, with an emu kind of length for its thickness. That's, if, if nobody's heard last week's episode, you just think I'm talking complete gobbledygook. Well, no, so so I would say Robert Wadlow is like um, like 1.3 rod holes. Yeah, okay, yeah. So let's see how many rod holes this is going to be. Yeah, okay. So to get this going, he goes and buys himself a five-ton block of gypsum, and he doesn't want anyone to know what he's doing. So <laughs> he, he tells them... It's, <laughs> What's he doing with it? <laughs> well, he tells them he's going to be a statue of Abraham Lincoln. Ah. It's the perfect cover. Yeah, yeah. He then ships the slab to a Chicago marble dealer. And he helps to... He promises to help him out if he'll split the profits. And then... <laughs> it's quite a complex plan already. Yeah, but even better than that... They haven't got anyone to pose for it, so Hull poses as the model for this giant. Emu in hand. No, (laughs) but to make it authentic, he's nude. 
I mean, Whoa. yep. It takes two sculptors all of summer 1868 to turn the gypsum into something that looks anthropological. Oh, I bet, I bet there was some real arguments about the size of certain parts. Well, he got around that because the statue is in the form of a naked man lying on his back with his right hand clasping, <laughs> it says euphemistically, at his stomach. Right. It isn't. Right. right. Uh, one, Handy, that. <laughs> <laughs> one leg crossed over the other and a face of a mysterious half-smile. To make it look authentic, they cover the statue with sulfuric acid to give it an aged mm. look. And stone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Hull, he gets this idea that he needs to make it look even older. So um, he takes um, little uh, cobbler's pins and taps all over, giving it holes, making it look... Like, like e- even pit, what they call them pitting pit, pitting yeah. yes exactly um because he figures like there's going to be some running water running water causes pitting he knows this and <laughs> when it's finished it's 10 feet tall and weighs three thousand pounds wow so that is like 1.8 rod holes right I- i'd say it's nearer two <laughs> near two rods yeah um, there's pictures of it on um, the internet if you want to if you want to have a look. It's not bad actually. It's as a sculpture goes, it's pretty good. D- does it look like a sculpture though, rather than a genuine kind of? Because what I'm imagining is something. What he was aiming for was something that almost looked like a fossilized remain. Or I'm thinking of you know those um, uh, the bodies that they still have at Pompeii. I'm thinking that's what it looks I'm like. I'm thinking something like that. That's what it looks like. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks it looks pretty good for that as well. It doesn't look it doesn't look like a finely crafted man, you know, astride a chariot yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. It it does look like something you might find in the earth. Um, but he needs somewhere to bury this, doesn't he? Oh, so course, that's yeah. how he settles on Cardiff, New York, which is a small uh, valley town. And it's also the home of one of his distant relatives, a farmer called William Stubb Newell. Now, I find it incredible that he's called Stubb. Um, yeah, that's ironically. his nickname. Yeah. And again, Newell cuts in on the deal, uh, swearing him to secrecy in return for some money. So he buries it on his farmland, does he? Yeah. So he sends him the giant in a in an iron sealed box, and in November 1868, a group of men bury it. Uh, on Newell's farm, and they put it under some roots to create the illusion that it's been there for right. centuries. And then Hull does what he, he rightfully should do in this situation. He returns himself back home and carries on doing his cigars. <laughs> and it's a year later that he decides he's going to resurrect the plan. Right. Which is good, sensible, because then it will have kind of naturally aged a bit as well. Absolutely. Very, very um, what's the word? reserved of him because you'd, you'd almost want it to happen straight you, i'd give up after six months you'd I'd be say, so excited i go, go i know we said a year but come on let's go let's go yeah well the other good bit is that to make it look even more authentic they hire a pair of workers to dig a well near the barn oh, on the farm okay. and it's them that find it so, um, so there's no yeah they're completely like oh my god what have we found Brilliant. yeah yeah so they they get through to this iron casket they get in quite quickly they see what they think is a large man 
And people already, as you can imagine, the newspapers start yeah. going wild about it. Perfect news People story, start isn't it? talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And he even lets, I think this is brave, he lets people of all science backgrounds come and have a look as well. Mm. And the first person to kind of stroke their chin <laughs> is a, a Syracuse uh, science lecturer who says, I don't think this is a man, but... But he doesn't accuse him of fakery. He says he thinks it might have been carved by French Jesuits centuries earlier. Right. And then the speculation starts mounting. And Stubb, who's the guy who owns the farm, he then begets really theatrical about it and starts saying, well, I think, you know, we're doing the wrong thing here by staring at this. We're, it's sacrilegious. Um, we should rebury it. It's not right. To, to do this bit of um, bit of mystery going in there bit of yeah i get that so can i just mm. refresh my memory of where when this was happening i'm assuming this was all pre-carbon dating and all that kind of stuff oh it? yeah 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 it's it, we're, we're now in 1869 right got you um so he he convinced so he allows himself to be convinced by his neighbors not to rebury it <laughs> so this again is a brilliant oh. piece of double bluff yeah and so they they then go, well, if you've convinced us not to bury it, what are we going to do with it? So they cover the giant with a tent and they began uh, charging 50 cents for admission. <laughs> In the first week... That's a bit of a change, though, isn't it? We should bury it. It'd be wrong. It'd be wrong to leave it exposed. Oh, all right, then. Let's put up a tent and charge people to see it. <laughs> well, 2,500 people come wow. in the first week. Wow. It isn't long before a consortium of businessmen come in and offer $30,000 wow. for a three-fourth stake. So not even full ownership. $30,000 in 1869, 1870. It's a lot of money. And they agree that they're going to cash in and take the money. And I'm assuming that's, that's way, way more than they've already spent on this escapade buying the block of you know stone or whatever it was and the work and all that it's yeah, yeah. well 30,000 is huge he, he amount, reckons he spent 3000 pound making it $3000 making wow, it wow okay so it's already a tenfold return yep and by this time because it's sort of turned into an accepted ske uh, spectacle there's now even professors there's a Rochester professor who christens it the most remarkable object yet brought to light in our country this this <laughs> makes the businessmen very very pleased yeah, of course that's but that, that's the poster quote isn't it yeah <laughs> but some of the locals are beginning to get suspicious right some people talk about george hull transporting a massive crate through cardiff a year earlier see this is the small and town problem isn't it people remember stuff reporters dig in and find that newell had transferred a large amount of cash to hull immediately after selling the giant questions began piling up and in the following november when the giant's new owners took it on the road and exhibited it to thousands of spectators uh, in syracuse and albany a mining engineer caused a stir when he noted that gypsum would have deteriorated quickly in the soggy soil of newell's farm right and that is sort of the beginning of a chorus of folks saying, 
No, this is much more recent. People start putting two and two together. They realise, of course that's right. Gypsum wouldn't have survived in that soil. It can't be right. Um, one quote says, <laughs> it is a very recent origin and a most decided humbug. <laughs> <laughs> what a great word. <laughs> I know. That doesn't stop other people, though. P.T. Barnum decided that he would like to try and buy it. Well, because he, in a way, he wouldn't care either way, would he? he and like, as long as people are coming in to see it, its its origin probably doesn't matter that much to him. No, no, it doesn't, exactly. But the businessmen won't sell it to him. That was a mistake, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I would have offloaded that at that point, wouldn't you? Yes, absolutely. But he makes an exact replica, right? puts it on display and starts adding to... The debate by saying, you know, is it a statue? Is it a petrification? Um, he, the the sort of <laughs> the the denouement is because he's a showman. He ends up making more money than they do right, out of selling a replica. Did he pitch it as a replica, or he he kept it vague? Enough? No, no. He said no. What he did, he he said to his crowds, "Is this the real thing?" Right. And he kept the meaning of that fluid. Right. Is it? Is it? Does he mean? Is it the real discovery or is, or is it, it the real yeah. one that's been, yeah, yeah. or a real, wow, okay. Yeah, it's reckoned he made six of them in the end. <laughs> but um, I know it's fraud, but it, there is something that I quite romantically like about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it eventually gets passed down owners. I think it ends up um, in, in a farmer's museum. Um, by 1880, it really, it, it's... Um, its fame has waned and there's pretty much acceptance that it was it was a fake. Um, but it doesn't really matter too much because out of everything that's been paid out to everybody, George still ends up 17,000 up after his original 3,000 investment. Wow, okay. He's got 20,000 in the bank. And which, which I don't know what that is in money today, but that's, that's a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that, that would be enough to live on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he doesn't learn his lesson, though. He does it again. Oh. In, 18, in 1877, <laughs> he builds a seven-foot giant. So that is that is shorter than Wadlow. Yeah. That's not even that tall, is it? I mean, that's like 1.3 rod holes at the most. Yeah, yeah. 1.2, probably. Um, and he buries it in Colorado. But the hoax is immediately discovered and he loses all his money on that project and so he doesn't do it again but that is that just shows people really wanted to believe yeah yeah and you're right there's no carbon dating there's there's nothing but once (laughs) once the relevant people start saying stuff it's kind of like the rumors have to go around and pt barnum like the statue is pretty impressive in its own right and so it's quite nice to say is this real and i can imagine there's a bit of magic there for people who like because there's the double bluff ah is there a cover-up is it really a giant and he was just made the scapegoat well i guess as well with the the pt barnum angle he is you know he is the he's a showman right so he's passing it off as entertainment Whereas Hull, it seems, I think people are, are, are less forgiving when they feel they're being almost deliberately and cynically fooled. I think, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine if you went to a Barnum 
show, you'd go with the level of this is entertainment and sceptical. It's it's good for the kids. Well, we talked about Ripley's, didn't we? It's almost that that kind of vibe. Do you know it, what I it mean? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently, people who did what he did in that uh, in that story were called flimflam men. Yes, I've heard that before. So it's almost like. If if you're not a very good P.T. Barnum, Barnum you're a flim-flam man. I yeah, guess it's the yeah. same as a snake oil seller. Yes. But if you get good, you get held as a showman. <laughs> yeah, you're a showman. It's yeah. interesting psychology, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But I do think it's about some kind of level of... Honesty is the wrong word, but kind of implied ambiguity yeah. ra- rather than, no, 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 this is this thing, right? Do you know what I mean? Barnum, like you said, the way that Barnum crafted his description of the one he'd created was ambiguous and that kind of fits into that showman thing whereas if you're saying well we dug up this thing and it's a genuine you know fossilized giant then that's people feel conned don't they they do you you when you first read the story you you miss the one misses the ridiculous plot hole which is he was doing this to basically infuriate um, hardcore religious believers. Yeah. But the only way he could have done that is to eventually have come out and said, no, it was me. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just reinforcing their theory. But he hadn't built that in, and I don't think he had really understood quite how much money he would be making. That's probably the thing, isn't it? When when you're talking the kind of sums that you're talking about back then, it probably changes your perspective. He's like... Yeah, he, he almost changed direction maybe and went, hold on, there's a mint to be made out yeah. of this thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, forget the moral point I was making, let's get the cash. <laughs> yeah, quite right. So I was looking around for, can I find a new story of an actual real giant being dug up? And to my surprise, I could. Oh, okay. But, well... I knew the there but, was going to be a but. The but will come <laughs> at the end. Okay. So it's called the Longshan giant okay and uh the newspaper article describes it as a human skeleton of phenomenal size and it was uncovered during an excavation in the city of shangnan in shanxi promise province in china in 2006 and it dates it dates back to 4240 to 4100 um calendar years as we understand them and apparently that corresponds with something called the Longshan culture, which was 44 to 4,000 years ago, something like that, 4,400 right. 4, to 4,000 years ago. And the skeletal characteristics point to a young male who's 16 to 18 years old and appears to be of a mongoloid race and has many f- physical characteristics that are similar to those of modern Asians. And there's a other mystery to it, which it has three drilled holes of about five centimetre in diameter, uh, in one of uh, in part of his skull, right. and all of that sounds brilliant, doesn't it? It's like well, the money shot is tell me how big this thing is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's six point three feet. Now, that is quite a lot bigger than the average height in China, but it is not phenomenal no. size. Well, that it, uh, that would put me that would put me in the realm of a small giant. Quite. And Which I have been called that before. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the after hours podcast. Yeah. But um it so this is so this comes from Chinese sources. So of course you you have to understand the culture that is reporting this. 
we talk about it and we talk about the, the language as well robert wadlow he's a giant man this to this in this culture is a is a large person yeah and you could say you know depending on how freely you use the language he's a giant yeah he's yeah. tall he's really tall yeah but it doesn't seem paranormal or weird it's yeah. just somebody grew that tall really isn't it exactly so so i guess what you're saying is there's it's a genuine artifact looks like they've tested it it's it, a genuine skeleton yeah. genuine skeleton for that region uh and from the time that uh it was walking the earth it was big compared to his fellow compatriots so yeah in that sense, it's giant, but it's not giant in, in in the Hagrid sense. No, no, nor in the climbing down a beanstalk. <laughs> Imagine if Jack was at the bottom of the beanstalk yeah. and the longshing giant had come down. It's like, oh, um, <laughs> it's a bit wizard, <laughs> Wizard of Oz, isn't it? Don't yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, oh, okay, there you go. It is. Yeah. So on a quest to see if I could find. Your giant hunting, I mean, yeah. The okay. giant hunt continues. Yeah. And then I came across a book by High Newman and Jim Vieira, Giants of Stonehenge in Ancient Britain. Oh. Like, yes. This is Kaboom. this is where we want to start delving. Oh, yeah. And the first part of the book that, um, it, it sort of sets the scene for the rest, but there's this great quote from it. And sorry, sorry. I just, I just, you just put that image in my mind from Spinal Tap with, uh, with yes, with yes, the, yes, with the small Stonehenge coming at the, it's supposed to be giants dancing around. Stonehenge. I do not for one think that the problem was that the band was down. I think that the problem may have been that there was a Stonehenge monument on the stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. Well, it is funny. We are going to get on to dancing giants at Stonehenge. Oh, really? There yes, we are. Um, so I think um, I think this book could rather be more taken as interesting folklore than fact, but it does contain some some facts. And there's this I hadn't um, again. We always come back to fairies. He's put in this quote from a manuscript in the 15th century. And it's only quite short. He says, the huge bones, which can be found in many places throughout the world, are evidence for this. And this, they mean giants. Men dig them up both in the country and in the city. Teeth, legs, ribs, thigh bones, four feet long. Shoulder blades as large as a shield. Many people are perplexed by this and wonder if there could have ever been men with such huge skeletons. The giants were hideous to look at because evil spirits had gotten them. Their fathers were devils and their mothers were tall and well-built. I like that. The yeah. fathers were devils. The women, tall and well-built. Any devilishness? Not that we could ascertain. That's quite a lot to tell from a few bones. <laughs> it's a lot to tell. And they said, he concludes, they were just the children you would expect from a union. And the giants, it, it goes on to explain the giants devolved into what became known as the fairy race. And they then go on to blame them or blame them or credit them with building huge walls and earthen ditches. You can see <laughs> that this is this is a way of explaining the old Iron Age, Bronze Age landscapes that we see yeah, yeah. over parts of Britain. Um, but, but if you follow that logic, because, you know, maybe it's... Maybe it's a stereotype that's grown up over the years. I always think as fairy folk as small and 
are we saying yeah. uh, is there is there some kind of origin story which explains how they went from being giants to not really thing? these people didn't they ju- i mean <laughs> there's there's no evidence <laughs> in i'm there, looking for it? too much aren't i but i'm going to come back to a bit of that because they talk about digging up these huge bones and i come back to that because that okay. is an interesting point to make yeah the other bit about it though i find quite weird in that in the 15th century there are puritanical elements going on all across the christian world and to talk of them to talk of giants as being the 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 offspring of devils surely that goes against the teaching of the scriptures or maybe it doesn't but i thought that was an interesting thing yeah but the reason they wrote this book and called it what they did is because he explains Wiltshire contains some of the world's most important megalithic sites. We can't argue with that. That is true. And many have giant associations at their core. Numerous giants' graves, bear with me, are scattered across this country and various place names have the word Og in them. This title may refer to the biblical giant King Og of Basham. Would it, though? (laughs) Would it? Uh, Gog and Maragog from Revelation or the British patriot Gogmagog. Um, I think <laughs> I sounds think, like a Gogmagog sounds like a seventies um, glam rock song, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> he then goes to point out that maybe it's because various of these places have the River Og going through them. I oh, would say, I would say that is the reason. Oh, now, where did they get their name from? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stand by this river and think. Oh, it must be where giants are buried. <laughs> I mean, I he. What's I, this river called? Og. Oh, I oh. I might I might be being unfair <laughs> to him. He might be suggesting that the Og is named after King Og, but I, I don't. That the river got its name. This is a very very tenuous yeah, thing. Yeah. He then goes on to explain that in Salisbury, an eighteen foot giant has been paraded around the town for centuries, and some well known sites in Avebury and Stonehenge landscapes were said to be built by these colossi. That is true. I know that is true. Okay, so that's that's nearly four and a half, five rod holes, isn't it? Uh, 18 feet is... We Six, should just 12, Google how three. to... That's three rod holes. Right. Okay, well, that's that's quite big. That's the biggest we've had so far, isn't it? Uh, well, apart from... Uh, apart from we've never found them. Apart from the Cardiff giant, yes. Oh, it's yeah. Cardiff one's big. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But he then goes on to explain, like, we're enthralled by the mysteries of, um, like, Stonehenge and all of those 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 circles, perhaps even corn circles, yeah. um, druid ceremonies, pagan dances that seem to refer to some of these statues and monuments. Like, it's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'm it, just. It would explain how they got the stones there. Was just stick them on Og's back. He'll take them. Yeah. Yeah. And but then I I, <laughs> I feel bad for taking the piss out of Og, but like. I just thought the shark was being shark was being jumped then. Yeah, but he does he does point out that in the 1600s, many local Christians believed that Stonehenge um, was either a sophisticated natural geometry, or there was a clan of them. I say clan just to mean a subset, were formed by the devil, or some cases constructed by giants. Right. So that was. That was a a thing that happened, and he puts in here. There's a image that is made um, in eleven fifty five A.D. So we're going up and down the um, the time scales a little bit, but it shows a giant setting 
the top of the stone oh, okay. on Stonehenge. Right. And um, there are normal-sized people uh, sitting around watching it. And he also points out that um, the place name for where the blue stone comes from to build Stonehenge is called, uh, well, if you translate it from, uh, it's Welsh, it means giant's dance, which is, which itself is interesting. But he also points out that the Stonehenge original name was also the giant's dance. So... But I I guess, I guess if you go with a sceptical point of view of that, you could see a scenario where people would look at those stones and wonder how they were made. I mean, we've, you know, even even in modern times, we've had that thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you could easily see how a myth or legend or lore started that it was built by giants and that they put the top stone on because it's just a, it's almost a logical way of trying to explain it. Do you know what I mean? So could very I re- much. So it's almost that that fruit of the poison tree. If everything flows from there, the naming, whatever, it comes from the law of people looking at those stones, going, "How was that made? How did they get that top stone on?" I know it must have been a giant. Well, there's also um, another explanation for the etymology which he gives, which is um, that Stonehenge itself does look like a circle of giants dancing arm in arm. You, ah, I you, see. Yeah. You, could, you, you could imagine that. I could see that. Reminds me of the uh, moving stones where we... That, that, yeah. That image of them kind of... It's interesting, that connection with them almost being living living entities in some shape or form. That's, yes. That's a big kind of... Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't well, it? Well, that's a, that's a good shout because when we were talking about... Um, the Rollwright stones, yeah. they're supposed to be petrified yeah, yeah. Uh, witch and king and various other things. Yeah, Which could also tie in with that kind of giant theme that we're talking about. Yes. Because they could have been petrified normal-sized humans, but then almost petrified into these giant stones. Yeah. 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 Um, then we get into a skeleton discovered... Near Stonehenge. So can you convert 14 foot and 10 into rods, please? Uh, that's two. I'd say two and a half. No, no, yeah, somewhere around two and a half rod holes. Okay, so Thomas Elliot describes this in uh, the early 1500s, and it's uh, in a work that um, apparently is famous called um, uh, Dictionary. I, I'm not sure we're talking about the same dictionary here, but anyway... In, in this, he says, about 30 years since I myself, being with my father, Sir Richard Aylott, at a monastery of regular canons, three or four miles from Stonehenge, beheld the bones of a dead man found deep in the ground, which being joined together was in length 13 foot and 10 inches, whereof one teenth of my father had, which was a quantity of great walnut. Now, that doesn't make a lot of um, sense, but no. um, when fully assembled, apparently it did come to 14 foot 10. Right. But when I say fully assembled, we're not talking fully assembled. It is some bones. Right. And this becomes important later on. So these could be bones that have been misidentified as human that could be dinosaur, could be... Hold that exact thought. Okay, That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. A bit a bit like, I will get onto it, but a bit like when we talked about dragons, yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. And then um, I was looking around and thinking, well, let's... These are all 
um, far from contemporary accounts. Then I found this batty one, The Giant's Curse of Twyford Down. Now, mm. you re- might remember the motorway construction in Twyford Down in 1992. And the Galliano song. Ah, yes. And I was thinking Swampy. Yeah. Um, this was a big um, cause of, I guess, protest yeah. when um, there was an extension to one of our motorway networks that was going through some ancient woodland and people moved into the trees and refused to budge. That's right. And Swampy was almost one of the protesters who caught the public imagination and certainly he the did. newspapers. He was he was living up in a tree, wasn't he? Effectively saying, I'm not getting down from here. You're not building the motorway through here. That's right. Yeah, He's still Come alive, by the way. Yeah, he can- he became a bit of a celebrity after that, didn't he? He did. I th- I think I saw him on panel shows and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Anyway, the story, according to this author, in 1992, shortly after a motorway construction team disturbed the graves of 18 skeletons, <laughs> some said to be seven feet tall. That is a pitifully small amount of rods. Yeah, that's a rod and a bit. A number of the road workers were said to have suffered fatal heart attacks and a night watchman dropped dead at his post. Mm. A group of protesters called Dragon did their best to protect the area and claimed to have witnessed giant skeletons being unearthed from an Iron Age complex close to St Catherine's Hill. (laughs) An eyewitness says they dug up graves containing seven-foot skeletons and there is a definite magical aspect coming into effect. Already four of the building workers and security cards have died of heart attacks. I don't think people should discount the ancient forces they have disturbed. So, well, there's a lot going on there, isn't there? There's there's almost, it's reminded me of that story earlier, the, the, the Chinese story, where it's like they're not abnormally, well, they're not giant as in, you know, a mythical giant size. They're just big humans. No. Um, but it's also... Reminded me a bit of poltergeist, you know, disturbing the graves, curses, Egyptian... There's all sorts of stuff going on there, isn't there? There is. Um, And then if you stick with the seven-foot giants, there's um, a newspaper article that's 110 years old, which is from Perrinporth in Cornwall. And to cut a long story short, there's more um, uh, building work going on. Obviously not building a motorway. They weren't that forward-thinking at the time. But they found a bunch of skeletons, each of them seven feet in height, right. um, with teeth in perfect condition. And the it's reported that the the built the um, bones were uh, moved to the priest's residence for safekeeping. Now that actually sounds like it, the headline shouts skeletons of Cornish giants, but they're not giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the thing that is frustrating me all the way through this. They could have been an ancient basketball team who were involved in a terrible tragedy. <laughs> well, this is this is very much what I'm thinking is like it, there's nothing there is if if we worked it through perhaps there was a genetic mutation in these people that made other people worship them. Maybe they thought that they they had kingly powers or queenly powers or something like that because of their stature yes maybe they were um particularly um bred down the line of a particular family who were very tall maybe it's something as simple as they were being fed better than everybody else because they were royal and therefore they had a great diet great genes just grew tall well and also i was thinking i was thinking in terms of war and armies and stuff like that there may be an advantage to having huge soldiers, do you know what I mean, to intimidate 
the enemy, even even forgetting their prowess, athletic prowess, just the fact that you know if you if you're facing an enemy and you look at the first two front rows and they're all seven foot tall, will put fear in you. Do you know what I mean? So it may not. Yeah. There may be a logical explanation of why that a lot of them are found together. They could be the front line of an army who all got killed. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess where this was all heading was because I was like, come on, what is going on here? And then I found a really sane and interesting piece of work by um, a chap called Paul Bunyan, who writes about American folklore. And he points out a number of things. Long bones of elephant relatives and humans are similar enough to be confused. Right. And we've spoken about this before in terms of the cyclops. You remember the... Yes, um, the elephant skull. The elephant skull, yeah. yes. And people not understanding that's where the trunk went. They thought it was an eye. Yeah. He also points out geological events tend to destroy the skulls of prehistoric elephant relatives, leaving only enormous human-like long bones, ribs and vertebrae. Yeah. He also says some ancient authors reported finding the remains of giants hundreds of feet tall. And that's how I think about a giant. Yeah. That's certainly a jolly green giant. I'm not, sort do, of thing. I'm not doing the rod hole calculation. Many rod holes. <laughs> Many rod holes. These reports represent the attempts to reconstruct the bones of several animals found jumbled together as a single giant. So there is a very practical right. explanation for why this is coming true. That almost sounds like bone paradoilia doesn't yes, it yes <laughs> yes well we know that um and there's a number of dinosaurs that have been inaccurately put together yeah. i believe dippy in the british um natural history museum no. was incorrectly put together at first is yes that, is that why they've taken him taken him down now haven't they they have taken him down but i i believe that was true and um wow there are some dinosaurs that we all thought existed they didn't it was just a mixture of bones it was a mixture of bones yes yes but and, and your cyclops thing i i, I were cyclops giants as well i kind of maybe i've just seen yeah, you know, that, yeah jason yeah. and the argonauts or something but yeah. i think of them as giants yeah. which would suit that theory of absolutely the wouldn't it absolutely that is how they're depicted yes yeah. yes and then so that accounts for the bones and then i think a lot of people have fallen for those images that you see on the internet. If I show you this image of construction yep, workers digging up... So we've got three... Ben showed me three construction workers in high-vis, a skeleton. I mean, one of them's at the legs, one of them's at the hips, and one of them's at the head. It's... I mean, it's massive. It's, yeah, it's, it's maybe 20 foot, something like that. 20 foot, yeah. 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 So a lot of people... That goes around the internet as... And, and the, the best conspiracy theory I saw was the Smithsonian come and grab these things and then take them off and conceal them. Right. The actual origins of that photograph, and it doesn't take much um, to find it, it was a Photoshop submission for Size Matters 4 contest, right. design number 8854061. The caption underneath the entry reads, Whitmouth 57, an American designer created this Photoshop on the 14th of August 2011 for Design Crowd Community Contests, a business in Australia. The Photoshop was designed for the project Size Matters 4. It was awarded three out of five stars. Right. Wasn't even a five starer. No. But so, it's also reminded me of that image that uh, of Steven Spielberg that 
did the internet. Do you remember that one? It's it's a photograph of him on the set of Jurassic Park, and it's him standing there with a gun with one of the Triceratop models. Oh, yes, yes. Almost posing like a hunter, and it was done as a joke. And then it hit the internet, and people were calling for him to be banned from the Oscars and and the film industry for his big game hunting antics. It's, yeah. it's a triceratops. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it's all very strange. But this is the sad conclusion oh. of giants were big people, but they weren't that big. They weren't giant giant. They weren't giant giants. You'd, you'd, they're, you'd, they're Ripley, you know, world's tallest man giants rather than these mythical amazing creatures they were they would get served first at the bar but i think we we mentioned troll earlier yeah and that they'd found a way to a mechanism of explaining why we weren't seeing these creatures they basically they, they sleep for a long time and they can easily blend in with rocks and you would just think they were half a mountain but they were asleep you know and that, that highlights the big problem you have with all this of if it's historical, then you'd need to find a full skeleton like the fake one in that picture. If they're still around, it's like, why don't we see them, you know? They're not, they should be easier to spot if they're that big. When, because I'm only 5'9", and most people seem quite tall to me, but... Um, I've never seen. I think, I think I've seen a seven foot tall person yeah. once, but yeah. that was um, he was a uh, a magician in a circus. But apart from that, it's it's a really sad conclusion. But I'm not that sad because I don't think giants were ever that interesting. I mean, yeah, it's like a man but bigger. Sure, okay, fine. Um, and, and I'm assuming, I'm knowing you, you would have searched for more modern day real life sightings of giant nothing, nothing yeah i did there's nothing. quite a lot of stuff going around about um a giant finger bone that was found but the evidence of its authenticity is really foggy and whether it really is part of a human or whether it's part of another animal of course yeah um i read one account on that saying it was actually part of a whale uh, ancestor um whales um i only learned this last year whales um, were animals that went back in the sea. Did you? I mean, that obviously explains why they're mammals, but... Right. They, they... I, I can't... You know what? I did at the back of my mind somewhere. I think I knew that. It makes sense now you've said it, but I'd completely forgotten it. On the same evolutionary tree or branch, I should say, as pigs. I, I, loved, I loved that idea, though. Of, I know it's not like this, but almost this thing of... Like that Simpsons episode where the, uh, the dolphins attack... <laughs> almost these whales getting together going this rubbish on the land let's go back and they all go back at the same time <laughs> they're all waddling along the beach going I've had enough of this land based living <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that it probably happened that way yeah, let me believe it happened that way <laughs> um, so yes that, that concludes my lecture on giants. Well, it, it's unusual for us to actually come to a conclusion at the end of an episode. I think, it is. I think it's amazing for that, that, that thing. Um, oh, I like this idea, though. I've, I'm slightly obsessed with those, um, those fake um, 
are you know those fake entities that created there's that that one that was found in the block of ice wasn't there that we did a while back oh, i can't yeah. remember the mm-hmm. name of it um they're fascinating those stories and the history of how they go on into you know showman or carnival shows and and how they're used and put together i i find that whole area really fascinating it's probably to do with my obsession with that movie the thing where they kind of find the block of ice that the thing was in it's such a there's something really mysterious about oh yeah that. yeah there yeah. is well thank you for uh that tour of the world of giants i think we'll just enjoy them as a lovely fictional or scary fictional whichever version you're reading tale and, and peddlers of tin sweet corn of course, yeah. <laughs> That's our second reference to the Jolly Green Giant. I like, he's my favourite giant. Yeah, yeah. And we, we confused him with Peter Pan before, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> and the Green Man. Yeah. And um, not that it matters at all, but I think he might be a great guy, gay icon. Um, yeah. That's the way I see him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do that sweet corn meme. He's got the juice. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> if he hasn't got a cat called Nibbler, he's really not making the most of his uh, abilities. He really is. I wonder how he became a sweet corn farmer. Well, or does he just do the tinning? <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't do the small tinning. His fingers would be too fat. <laughs> he, he's just there laughing at you. Yeah. What's he laughing at? We're doing all the tinning, mate. He doesn't get to do anything. <laughs> You just load up the truck. <laughs> I'm not arguing with him, though. No, I'm He's not. jolly. He's not jolly if you stop tinning. Yeah, <laughs> when he goes green like the Hulk. Um, brilliant. All right, well, uh, hopefully you like that. Sorry if you're disappointed we didn't come to the conclusion that there are real-life giants out there, but it's the journey. Well, I can always do an alternative ending. <laughs> so that proves giants are real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll put that in. Um, we will be back next week on the Quantum Mechanics. Thank you for listening. Uh, oh, thank you for your comments. Keep reviewing. Keep uh, giving us those five stars when you can. We really appreciate it. Perfect. We'll see you then. See you then. Take care. Bye. Bye. Quantum mechanics. Oh, ho, oh, oh. ho.